0: Good evening, Forest Heights Baptist Church. Man, we're going to have to do that again. Good evening, Forest Heights Baptist Church. Thank you. That's much better. We're going to begin tonight by standing and singing How Great Our Joy. (laughs) Hang hang on, Bobby. We're having uh, some... uh, technical difficulties
1: it'll be my fault don't worry about it You blame me
0: well while we're waiting on them there's some white books down at your feet they're called the hymnals turn to page 144. oh, oh they got it
2: <laughs> good Never job mind. fellas While oh, by the, the sheep, sheep we watched the watch that night That tidings brought an angel bride. How great our joy! Great our joy!
3: Thank you for another opportunity to worship you, and I pray that you'll just grace our presence, our time, in a very special and unique way, drawing us into your presence, Lord, and touching us in a unique and special and awesome way. Thank you, God, for this opportunity, and Lord, we just pray that it'll be all to your honor and glory, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Let's all stand as we sing God of grace.
2: secure. All my fears are now confounded, and my hope is ever sure. God of grace, now crowned in glory, where one day I'll see your face, and forever
0: Thank you. You could be seated.
3: It's good to see you here tonight for those that are watching glad to have you. Uh, we're going to our study uh, this evening, and Daniel, I know it was this morning too, but it was uh, more of a uh, Christmas message. I hope you got that part of it anyway. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk on a subject that is very important, and we need to understand this before we move on in. Uh, into chapter 8, because chapter 8 will talk about um, some of the Antichrists that, will, uh, that have, will come as they're looking to the prophecy, but has already come. John, in his uh, epistles, talk about this, and he mentions this. And these are not the Antichrist, but they are pointing towards that, and we will talk about that further when we get into chapter 8. But tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, something disturbing in his vision, and that is uh, the the Antichrist that is mentioned in his kingdom. So we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 28, and this will be the close of this chapter uh, of Daniel before we move into chapter 8. And so, uh, you know, in Daniel the uh, the angel told him that there would there were uh our gate told him what the four beasts uh uh you know what they were and uh what they represented and they represented four kings uh which will arise out of the earth and of course uh you know we we were told in another vision where they arose out of the sea and this is uh, relating to gentile nations and so the history of the four kings and their kingdoms they're considered a unit if you will completed only though when the last empire uh, will rise and be destroyed and thus you know though different Im- imagery in the different visions uh, that are used the empires described are the same. In Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, and also that was brought up the revised Roman Empire. And so, ultimately, uh, the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom in verse 18, it says. And this would be considered by many scholars as perhaps we could label it the fifth kingdom. And this fifth kingdom, the the one granted to the Son of Man, back in verse 14, we talked about the Son of Man this morning. And so the saints, the saved ones of all ages, will enter into this kingdom with Him. And this is where He will reign uh, with them uh, forever. It will be a thousand years and the thousand years will move into eternity. So, the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom, it says, and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. This is found in verses 13 and 18. This is important fact uh, because it's mentioned at least three times within the space of a single chapter. So, we need to uh, take heed to this. But, Daniel was still confused, and rightly so. As I said, we can look back, we can put Scripture together. He didn't have all that we have uh, to put together at that time, and especially the book of Revelation, which we'll be referring to uh, quite a bit tonight. And uh, Daniel asked for some more information from this uh, angelic form, this interpreter that uh, appeared to him. And uh, about the four beasts, and especially the mysterious little horn, and this is what we're going to be talking about tonight—the little horn, which represents the Antichrist, that ferocious fourth beast uh, that was dominating uh, Daniel's thinking, and he couldn't seem to get it out of his mind, and uh, so he uh, described it again uh, to the angel, and. And uh, this is what we read. It says, Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the other, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up. And therefore, which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boast and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom the fourth beast represents the fourth kingdom and it's namely the roman empire and the ten horns symbolize ten rulers that will arise out of the region once controlled by rome and it is it talks about this in verse 24 The ten kings will all rule at the same time. Now we know that in Rome they didn't have ten rulers at the same time. And so this was a phenomenon that was not found in the past and has not been found. And it is expected therefore that the Roman Empire uh, in this form will reappear and that the ten rulers will be in power in the end times. This is found, and we'll be referring to, you, you may want to flip over there and put your finger there to Romans, I mean Revelation chapter 13. And also found in chapter 17. It says, another shall rise after them, meaning another ruler in addition to the ten that are ruling. And he will be different from them. He will also rise to power among them. And this ruler will be described as and is described as the little horn he is better known in other parts of the scripture as the antichrist now his career is briefly described in this passage he will first conquer three of the ten rulers he will come from one of the countries of the uh, revived roman empire according to Daniel's vision, and for whatever reason, he will subdue uh, three of the ten kings. We talked a little bit about that. We can imagine what might rise during that time and the conflicts, and they won't be uh, in uh, agreement as far as allowing him to be their ultimate ruler, and for whatever reason, it may be religious. It may may be something to do with some, uh, some other area. But it probably is because of their, uh, you know, just their resistance to him, becoming the head of the Western Federization, uh, and ruling all of them the way that he so has, uh, kind of crept into the situation and uh, popped his ugly head up. And uh, second of all, too, he'll speak out against the true God of heaven. It says in verse 25, the Antichrist will be a oratorical genius if you will in other words he will be a master of spoken words and boy don't we uh, major on that today we may minor on the facts and and on the uh content but boy we major in on the words and and uh, people being uh you know great speakers and the antichrist uh in in verse 20 uh, we're told that uh, he will have a mouth uttering great boast in revelation 13:2 the antichrist is describing or described as having a lion's mouth and this speaks of his oratorical skills being majestic and awesome awesome inspiring so uh, much that uh, comes from the Antichrist's mouth, though, will be blasphemy. And the root meaning of the Greek and Hebrew words for blasphemy come from the idea of injuring the reputation of another. He will be blaspheming Christians, but he will all, the main one will be God. And so uh, the idea of injuring the reputation of them. And uh, biblically speaking, it can range from a lack of reverence of God uh, to an extreme con- uh, extreme contempt of God, and uh, or any sacred objects dealing with God. This is found in Leviticus and, and uh, Matthew twenty six and, and Mark two. So the uh, uh, the worst blasphemy found in the pages of Scripture will relate to the Antichrist. And the Apostle John wrote in Revelation 13, 1, I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. He was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months after the uh, tribulation, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is, those who dwell in heaven. The Antichrist will persecute, oppress, and even kill Christians and those who are Jews because he hates the people of God. And these anyone relating to them, He will swear out at the saints. He will set up laws, it says, in keeping with his own agenda uh, instead of God's agenda. Uh, shall think to change the times and the law in verse 25. So the last three and a half years of the tribulation known as the Great Tribulation, a time, times, and half a time, the Antichrist will intensify the persecution of the saints. Now, It says, I kept looking and that horn was waging war in the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days, Daniel says, uh, came. And judgment was passed in favor of the saints, of the highest one, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Describing the time when Christ uh, will come again to earth to set up his millennial kingdom. This is also described in Zechariah 14 and Revelation 19 and 20. Now, had God not ordained those days to be cut short three and a half years, no one would have been able to survive them. So, in his omniscience, God knew that the great tribulation, how awful it would be, And so he set a time limit on it and to prevent uh, the population from being wiped out. And so here the Antichrist will be judged by God at the end of the tribulation, at the end of that awful period. The court shall sit in judgment, it says in verse 26. The one true God, the divine judge, will judge the Antichrist and take away his power. Now, in Revelation, or in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, it says the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and will, in other words, his speaking, uh, the power of God, he will destroy him and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. John tells us in Revelation nineteen twenty, the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet, who is in its presence, had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. Those, two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So at the second coming of Jesus, when he comes to earth, the armies gathered against God will be destroyed. In chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 17 and, and uh, verse 21, the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, you know, uh, will be cast into the lake of fire in Revelation 19:20, And Satan will be bound, we're told, in Revelation 21 through 3, uh, during the millennial. Christ will then set up that millennial kingdom uh, at long last look for and And God's covenant promises to Israel will then be fulfilled. They will be fulfilled at that time. They have not been fulfilled yet. The church did not replace Israel. Israel uh, has those promises yet coming to her. So we might think that all of this is, uh, you know, a lot for us to take in. And it is. Studying the end time passages uh, is is, uh, you know difficult but with that being said can you imagine how Daniel felt no wonder he wanted some you know explaining there and he says my thoughts greatly alarm me he told us in verse 28 but before we move as I said on into chapter 8 we need to understand a few more pertaining uh, things about this awful beast this world leader this antichrist that's described briefly in chapter two and chapter seven of daniel and so we need to focus in on the you know this personality called the antichrist how do we envision the antichrist today well some may think of it as a uh, you know um, a cartoon character uh shady and, and uh, villain-like, uh, or maybe a, a devilish character uh, that with dark, sulking eyes and a satanic emblem on his chest. You know, they can come up with anything like that in the movies. Uh, but what we need to do is we need to look at the, the biblical context or the biblical uh, teaching of it and the description of this creature. How does Scripture betray the Antichrist? That's very important. What does the Scripture say? And before we move on to look at the, uh, uh, those that are pointing towards the ultimate Antichrist, we need to be discerning and not just jump to conclusions about who will be the world's final dictator. A lot of people have, haven't they? They've tried to get the mark of the beast and all of this. And so we need to be very careful about that. One thing that is misconstrued, I think, in many minds today is how he will be received. We think that, boy, he's just going to come up and he's going to be an ugly character. But that's not true. He will be readily received when he comes. There's... As I said, a lot of misconceptions about this final beast. He will not be rejected by most during the tribulation. He will be willingly received by many. People will want him to be their leader. Remember, we know his plan, his purpose, his character. Not so with the people during the tribulation. We get confused sometimes because of the freedoms we have. We can't imagine anyone willingly handing over their freedom to another person. But let's wait a moment. We're seeing that more and more today. Isn't that what happens when we hand over our, our capabilities, our, our dreams, our talents? So that they might be provided for by Government or any other organized group. It doesn't have to be in desperate times for this to happen. But when there are desperate times, it will happen far quicker because they will be in desperate need of somebody coming along to deliver them to promise freedom or supposedly freedom to them in difficult times uncertainty and and desperate times of of hunger and and, uh, frightened people these will eagerly follow anyone who offers them a solution and hope and isn't that if we look back in history isn't that what happened With the citizens of Nazi Germany? With crime rates rising, cities overcrowded, groups overtaking parts of major cities, and destroying businesses and homes, taking lives, races clashing, economic situations being very uncertain gangs increasing defunding organizations that that help us from having total chaos and providing us with security that we need and peace instead defunding and taking away much of that homelessness Becoming a way of life for many. Businesses having to close. And of course, deadly diseases rising out of control. Now you think about that. Think about it getting far worse. Wouldn't you agree that the time would be right for a leader to come in, to appear, oratorical skills, beyond what we could ever imagine, and sway the people by telling them that he has the answers, he has the plans, he has the remedies to make things better. I would say that he would probably be received with open arms, wouldn't you? But for this to happen, he needs to be appealing instead of being repulsive. The Antichrist is going to attract people like honey-draws bees, brother. (laughs) Just considering some of the Antichrist names like Antichrist and Beast and Lawless One, one would probably assume that he would be repulsive, but he's not. James Montgomery Boyce points out that the name Antichrist doesn't mean opposite of Christ, but instead of Christ. He will be, he writes, a substitute for Christ, as much like Christ as possible for a tool of Satan. He will talk about justice and love, peace and prosperity. He will be brilliant, eloquent. In short, he will appear as an angel of light, as Satan himself often does and would be held by millions as a superman who will save mankind. He will also be extraordinary. He will be looked at as extraordinary instead of ordinary. His abilities will seem to supersede everyone else's. Of course, he will have the oratorial skills like a John F. Kennedy or a Ronald Reagan or the way many today have said uh, Obama. All these rolled into one. The inspirational power will be that of Churchill. He will have the vision of Marx, the dedication of Gandhi, and the military prowess. Of Douglas MacArthur. Einstein will not match his genius. His wil- uh, wil- uh, wiltsom- uh, winsomeness will be like that of, if you remember the name, Will Rogers. He will be named Man of the Millennium. Satan will see to him being looked at as the ultimate man. He will be on all the covers of all the magazines. He won't be a Jew. The Antichrist will be a Gentile. You may recall that all the beasts in Daniel came out of the sea. And sea represents Gentile nations. His arrival will not include fanfare. What do you mean by that? Well, the little horn will arise after the ten kings. In other words... There is no grand entrance described, no fanfare for the Antichrist. He will just arise up from them, quietly, carefully, and within the natural course of events. His true nature will become obvious once in power, though. He will speak out against the Most High, it says, and wear down the saints of the highest One. These saints are known as the tribulation saints because they came to Christ after the rapture, during the tribulation period. We're told that the Antichrist will beat beat them down with persecution. Daniel 8, in it we're given an even more emphatic description of what will come. A king, in verses 23 through 25, a king will rise insolent and skilled in, uh, in intrigue. And his power will be mighty, but not by his own power. And he will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and holy people. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And he will magnify himself in his heart And he will destroy many while they are at ease, going about their own business. But he will also be the son of destruction. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2, it says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the lord has come in other words with the persecution going on they thought maybe they had missed it he's saying you haven't missed it believers at thessalonica were suffering greatly and with this suffering brought about fear did we miss rapture you see this was taught Paul taught this because they wouldn't be asking questions about it if he had not taught it. They would not be concerned about it. They would not be confused about it. And so therefore, they were wondering, are we living in the tribulation period? And Paul, seeing their fear and panic, says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The apostasy that Paul was, was referring to was the general atmosphere that will surround the Antichrist coming. It speaks of a world that will turn away from the things of God. You'll be seeing that. It will be happening in greater uh, signs than ever before. And more specifically, it signals a time when some who profess Christ will depart from their Lord and his word and uh, you know it says uh, in 2nd Thessalonians 2 3 through 4 and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes poses and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself as being God in other words he's the son of destruction the Antichrist thinks God will move over for him. He's badly mistaken. in He will not be taking control. Holding all the political strings in the world won't be enough for him. All the political power in the world won't be enough for him. He'll grab the religious strings and power as well. The ones that lead straight to the people's heart a one-world religion is what he will be after with himself as its God. But it won't happen. Not for long, anyway. God will allow it shortly, but God will let him know that he's the one in control, that he's the one who is pulling the strings, if you will, moving the pieces on the... uh, uh, the playboard. satan's long-standing desire is realized by way of the beast this is told uh, in Reve- uh, revelation chapter 13 uh, john saw the antichrist in his vision the beast coming out of the sea having ten horns and seven heads and on his horns were ten diadems and on his heads were blasphemous names and the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. What does that sound like? Vision over in Daniel? Yeah, a combination of all of them. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and, his, uh, and uh, great authority. If you'll notice that the description of the beast, he has many of the symbols that were depicted in Daniel's vision. And as we see this, Uh, You know, we'll see that there is a combination here uh, in this revised uh, Roman Empire. And the Antichrist Empire will combine uh, combine the greatness of the lion and the bear and the leopard. The heads, the crowns, the names illustrate its supreme authority on earth. And the authority is derived from Satan himself, the dragon. Satan's long-standing desire is what? to rule the earth and he'll be setting up his kingdom after the rapture with the restraining influence of the church removed and please understand that why is there restraining influence of the church removed because who has the indwelling of the holy spirit the church and it will be removed the church will Now, will the Holy Spirit still be around? Yes, but just like in the olden days, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, he was around, but he worked differently, didn't he? And he will work during that time, but it will not be through the church. The church will be removed. You think about it. If godly people today that are in the church did not vote, and did not bring about certain things and demand certain things at the schools, well, I, you know, I just can't have my child do this, and, and you know, I can't have my child read this, or, or we, we'll we just pull them out, you know. Or, you know, that's cruelty. You shouldn't let our, our children go through that. Or, or you know, in society, um, if the people, godly people, weren't crying out, hey, uh, you know, the, these... Uh, forces here these uh uh, forces of uh of good that are here in our society like the the policemen and other things are there to protect us they're not there to hurt us yes there are some bad ones but there's the good outweigh the bad far more so and so why do you want to define something that wants that is there to help us and protect us now, who is bringing this about primarily? It's, it's believers. And other things, laws that are, are being implemented. Well, uh, you know, who uh, rises up and tries to put either the right person in to rule us or, or help bring about the right uh, uh, laws and, and, and things to help us in our, with our government and the way we live? It's the church, and it should be the church, but one day the church is going to be removed. And there'll be people that you read about in the newspaper today about all they can do is, their thoughts is, let's legalize this, whether it's drugs or sex or whatever, so that there'll be less crime. So that we, you know... Uh, we won't have to uh, deal with that that much. And they think that way, and they don't see what they're doing to society, and how degrading that is, and how uh, they're placing on downward spiral. And the reason is because they live in darkness. And so you imagine the church that is the light today being raptured up and how it's going to be during that time when the beast comes forward. We also see that, he says in Revelation 13:3, uh, and I saw one uh, of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. Now, I don't know what's going to happen there. But I do know that it seems like there'll be some type of, it seems like, an assassination attempt upon the beast. And it will appear to die before others. But only appear to, for John says, as if it had been slain. And Satan will counterfeit Christ's resurrection by healing the beast' fatal wound. He will dupe the world into thinking he has risen from the dead. And in this way, Satan and the Antichrist will imitate, or Satan will imitate and try to imitate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by having his triunity there. And so, and they worship the dragon, Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him seated on the throne of satan's kingdom the pretender will speak blasphemous uh, against god and attempt to crush god's people and he will receive authority it says over every tribe and people and tongue and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship him john saw a third member of the unholy Trinity here another beast coming up out of the earth in in Revelation 13:11 and this beast was called the false prophet and considered uh, you know uh, to to speak for him and and also carry on these oratorical skills and and the beast will perform great signs so that he will even make fire come down out of heaven in Revelation 13:13 13, 13, he will order the people to to build an idol to uh, the Antichrist and will make it speak. Everyone who does not worship the image, they'll be killed. In Revelation 13, verses 14 and 15. And in addition, he will devise an economic system here in which only the followers of the Antichrist will be allowed to buy or sell. In, in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17, And he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or sell except the one who has a mark, either the name of the beast or the number uh, of his name. Now, if, if you don't worship the beast during that time, you, of course, won't get a mark. And without a mark, number of the code, whatever it is, you can't buy food. It is a devious way to persecute those who remain faithful to God. And God has designed his own mark for the Antichrist. Here is wisdom, he says in verse 18 of Revelation 13. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast's. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, people have tried to figure that out. I think the lock is jammed right now. And it's for a reason. We don't need it. But I tell you what, they will. And it will be unlocked during that time for them. When the time is right, God will open the lock, and believers will be able to use The numbers to identify the beast and be warned. And it will also serve as a reminder that as powerful as the beast is, he's not above God. God is in control. And God has his number. And his number will soon be up. That number on the beast. So let's look at the end of the beast. In Revelation 19, 19 through 21, after the reign of the terror lasting three and half years, the imposter's judgment day finally comes. When he meets the Son of God, the Son of Man, face to face. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their army, armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse. And against his army and the beast was seized, and with him the false prophets who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns, burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from his mouth, the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. And all the birds would, were filled with their flesh. Judgment day is coming, and it will come for him. And the Antichrist reign will end. God's kingdom will take over Satan's kingdom. And a rainbow of hope. Now, please, I didn't say a rainbow the way people look at it today. A rainbow of hope will arch across the sky as Christ takes his great seat on the throne as the king of the earth prophecy has a key to look for and what is that key it's not in all the uh, you know all these current events that are happening although we can look at these current events but we will just be chasers and we'll get confused and we'll get off target if we do just look at current events the main thing to look at is Israel Israel will be the center of the world affairs more and more as a time of the Antichrist is supposed to appear and so if you're going to watch current events please make sure you do so by interpreting them with prophetic truth always anticipate Christ's coming with faith and assurance of hope in his promises as he promises in the word one such promise for the church of course is found in 1st Thessalonians in that we'll be raptured up that's a promise that we know but most of these events that we'll, we'll be looking at in Matthew chapters 24 and 25 Will be dealing with what? The tribulation, the end times. Those will be signs for the coming of, of Christ and his second coming. So you say, can we look at anything? Well, we look at things getting worse and worse, and we see that the, uh, the predictions of what will come about during the tribulation is that much closer. But our concern should be to be steadfast. And in these last days, we're going to see many antichrists. And in these last days with these antichrists, they will have that oratorical suave about them where they will be misleading many because they sound good. That's what people want to hear. Beware. Be alert. And at all times, walk circumspectly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for the hope that we have in your word the hope that we know that when the time comes that that you will come to deliver us but not only deliver us but you will take us to a better place and one day we're coming back with you and, and the victory's all with you God it's not in in some kind of false hope that the world might offer or others might offer it's all in what you say. So may we rest assured of that. May we be excited about that. And may we make the most of every day, knowing that you could return, that you could come back for the church at any day, any time. And Lord, help us to live that way with excitement, We're not called on to produce results. You give us results. We're just called on to be faithful and help us be faithful, God. Faithfully serving you, excited about what you're doing in our own personal lives and what you want to do through us and thanking you at all times, knowing that you're the source behind it all. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. God would have you to make a decision. You come. He leadeth
1: me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, God's hand. That
3: Christmas Eve service, when? Christmas Eve. Yeah, Thursday, right? So let's uh, 5.30, remember that, and we will come together and have a wonderful time together. Any other announcements we need to make? No service next Sunday night. Okay. Anything else? Well, let's go away rejoicing in the Lord.
1: Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name, and that's the reason why I love him so, oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know.